owned uh, a condo at uh, Aurora downtown, which is college and, and young, right? Aurora. 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 Yeah, Aurora. Yeah, Aurora. Aurora. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you confused me. I was like, I was like downtown Aurora. I'm like, <laughs> I've never been to downtown Aurora. <laughs> Kenny, lead us in. <laughs> All right, man. Scotty Barnes. Second episode of the Five Star Podcast. Uh, we made it, guys. So we have a new addition. We have uh, Richard here. Richard Lamb from Remax Crossroads. That's right, okay. Richard Lamb. Welcome, welcome. Richard. Welcome, right? So we have usual. First My name time, is Kenny. First time. This is Woody, Richard, Rod, Rod. Steve, Winston. Yeah. All right. And we talk about all things Toronto real estate. Right. So fresh off the press, first news of the day. Quarter rate hike by Bank of Canada. Just raised two hours ago. That's right. Yeah. yeah. What Fresh. do you guys think? What do you guys think? I, I'll give my feedback. I think this is very good news. I think this is very bullish. I'm usually very bearish on the outlook, but because they raised it 0.25, um, but it's not, not, it's also not just that it's, it's because their, their, their guidance is actually really good. They're saying, okay, inflation numbers look good. The numbers are going in the right direction and now we could stop. Okay, so it's chances are this yeah. is the last raise, uh, last raise, and then they'll be fine. And then they're expecting uh, the inflation to be normalized back to two percent in twenty twenty four next year. Mm -hmm. So this is very good news, actually. I agree. Yeah. No, I, I was actually just uh, hearing the news that like, they were talking about the, like, well, like from what we're what they're gonna do now, they're just gonna like see where it goes. If it stabilizes, they're not gonna like do any more raises yeah. or any, anything crazy. Which is actually good. Like, I mean, I just heard it on the news too, right? We're heading in the right direction. Yeah. So, uh, so what's what's the pulse, everyone? Um, how's this gonna go uh, to the moon or what? What's going on? <laughs> to the moon. <laughs> so don't don't you guys think that everyone's gonna jump in now? If they see a stabilization in these rates, it's gonna cause this massive jump. Everybody's on the sideline. Buyers, your buyers, my buyers, all our buyers have been on the sideline. So now it's gonna stable off. Let's jump in. But what what's the net effect of that, right? Multiple offers. Uh, multiple offers. It's happening already. Well over asking, right? Yeah. So, so are, the, are right? there any contrarians among us that, uh, <laughs> that think that um, sales aren't just going to skyrocket and uh, prices following them? I, I think it depends on the property itself, though. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, we're still not at a point where we can throw anything out there and you know, get multiple offers with like, how it was. You still got to like prep it. You st it's still got to be a pro quality over quantity at this point. Mm -hmm. I think this time around, the buyers are proceeding, but with a little bit more caution because uh, mainly because of the lenders, the higher rates mm -hmm. and, and, and the fear of a shortfall from an appraisal. That, yeah. That's yeah. that's a real concern yeah. for, for many people. Like, you know, if, if, if you, you can offer any price you want, mm -hmm. but be prepared to be able to make up that shortfall yeah. uh, if the bank doesn't yeah if the bank doesn't finance the full amount that you offer it's true they're, yeah. they're not they're not promoting like speculators right so does that mean that um for those among us you're keeping the finance conditions in there for your clients or at least letting them know the the potential ramifications if you don't keep it in i think i think default though uh i don't know <laughs> i can only speak on, on my behalf we always recommend uh, finance condition absolutely and, and yeah. only if they you know uh, overturn our recommendation mm -hmm. uh, then you know they're making an informed decision to do that 
So they only only the buyers uh, can confirm about their their, their finances with their right. you know mortgage brokers and banks lenders. Mm-hmm. So that, that's that's where I stand. Because for uh, because if a buyer weighs that condition, they have to be ready to handle the difference between their purchase price and what they're getting oh, funded. 100%. Right. Yeah. They have to know the risks right. because there's always that risk. Like, you know, we have to, like us as realtors, we have to explain to them the risk that, you know, if they waive that condition and they go to the bank and the bank says, gives them any negative news, they got to be able to swallow that pill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they got to be like ready and willing to close whatever way possible. Mm-hmm. So... Woody, you're in the mortgage industry as well, right? As as well as being in real estate. So what have you seen appraisals going uh, in terms of getting the approval for these purchases for some of your clients? Yes, uh, definitely appraisals are... It's always a case-by-case basis, but yes. um, Appraisals are coming back down to earth as compared to before. You would get um, people would buy uh, houses for uh, astronomical prices. And actually the appraisals would be uh, fitting those specs for a while because the previous house sold for an astronomical price. But yes, um, uh, as, as a mortgage agent, definitely. Uh, we always recommend to uh, um, keep in the financing condition. Um, yeah. Yeah. And un- unless, you're, unless you're cash rich. Mm-hmm. If you're cash rich and your realtor says, this is a reasonable price for the property, and this is the price you get the property at, if you can handle the difference, go for it. Yeah. Waive that condition, but just be ha- just have that cash on hand. Or, right. or some buyers may not even require a mortgage, so there won't be a need for, for any of that uh, condition. Yeah. Absolutely. Right, right. But are you, sh- are you seeing shortfalls? Appraisals coming in lower right now? Yes, um, appraisals, well, um, house prices are normalizing right now, so they're coming back down to earth. So appraisals are more, more in line with the current purchase price. Um, if we were to get back into a bidding war, which is a uh, real concern, uh, appraisals at the current rate may not meet the new purchase prices. Right. That's right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Actually, talking about, yeah. talking about um, the interest rates and you know, buyers coming back into the, to the game or come back into the market, um, what about the sellers? What, how do you feel about the sellers? Because a lot of sellers are feeling that they're not going to get the number that they want, right? Do you think that this actually might help because it's going to stabilize now? Do you think that actually might help out the sellers thinking that, okay, well, we can, we can get that value that we want for our house now? I, I, th- I think um, like with that question, it's kind of like it, there's different perspectives. So you have to see what, what is motivating that seller to sell in the first place. Like, are they just trying to cash out? Or are they trying to move up? Or are they trying to move down? Like, you know, depending on the client itself, like, if they're basically moving one-to-one, they don't care. As long as they can get something, or if they can upgrade to a certain, like, size within a certain budget, they're, they're okay with it. As they say, <coughs> sell high, buy high, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, I think that the client's expectations can't be... 2021, right? Yeah. Because they still have that. You know, you go to a listing presentation, I want this price. Yeah, that was in 2021. Yeah. That was two yeah. years ago, right? Not today, right? So it's about setting the expectations from the get go, yeah. letting them know that, okay, if the prices go up, we'll see the trends mm-hmm. and we'll price it accordingly, right? But it also depends on the product, like, like Winston was saying, right? If you've got a gem in an amazing, incredible area, 
That's recession proof. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Right? Definitely. You're getting, yeah. You're getting multiple sure. offers, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But um, hey, Woody, you know, um, you, we were actually just kind of talking about like, you know, uh, lenders that are looking at like uh, realistic prices today. Um, I, I don't know, like I've been noticing like a lot of Simon sales lately where I don't know when they bought it, but then they're just like kind of like, hey, you know what? We were, uh, bought it for, let's say, originally 600K for a condo. I'm going to sell it for 600K. So they're selling at a loss because they, they still got to pay out commission. Why do you why do you think that is? Um, I'll I'll, de I'll defer that to um, the other realtors on this panel. But uh, I one warning I do have is just because you're buying an assignment sale for the same price or slightly less than the original purchaser bought it for, doesn't mean your appraisal may come in at that pre-con purchase price. Mm. And I've seen that yeah. so. Uh, some individuals uh, went private mortgages uh, because they needed to close ASAP mm -hmm. and they figured, you know what, I'll arrange the standard financing afterwards and they were not ready for the rude awakening uh, because the, the market started to um, come down to earth mm -hmm. and then their appraisals were no longer at the price they purchased it for. Yeah, the shortfall is not, is not uh, for resale anymore. It's also inclusive of a pre-construction. Mm -hmm. So uh, back to Winston's uh, question, does anybody have any comments regarding yeah. why assignments are selling at a loss? Yeah, because when they purchased it a couple years ago, their rates were low and now they can't close because their rates are high. If they're investors, it doesn't make any sense from a cash flow perspective, right? So, so they, they, they would cut their losses down. Rather yeah, than yeah I think so. Yeah. yeah, because mortgage uh, payments are, are, are doubled and the rent does not even cover that. Rents have gone up, but I don't think they, they would cover the, the interest rates, right? So No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also because the fact that the buyers or the people who are buying these, these properties initially by, uh, with pre-con, they, they may be on variable on their own home, work, home mortgage. And now that their variable is actually being like, raised significantly, they can't really afford to have another mortgage on a pre-construction project that they're about to close on. So therefore, I feel that a lot of these people have to sell due to the fact that they cannot afford to close on that property or even can't even get a mortgage. Yeah, I think a lot of people are getting squeezed from, from their uh, you know, mortgage their, their, for their own homes. But if they had plans uh, for a succession plan for if their children wanted to take over some of their properties, um, even they're, they're not qualified for, for these mortgages. So their, their, their plan A, plan B, plan C is kind of out the window. Now they gotta kind of plan for the worst and, and cut loose, like liquidate. I've uh, got some clients which are highly leveraged. Um, they, they thought uh, the good times were gonna keep on rolling yeah. and they had pre-construction closing every year or every other year. They were very aggressive in building their uh, real estate portfolio. Yeah. And yeah, they're, they're letting some go at cost or at a loss. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even at cost means a loss because of yeah. the commissions. Yeah, yeah. Well, this, this is all assuming that everything goes well, you know, uh, and, and they, they totally avoid all the, the caps, like all, all the levies and uh, the charges that the builder impose on, on buyers. Because if, if you've heard of some of the stories that uh, uh, buyers actually totally get a rude awakening on closing where they, they're, they're stuck with uh, $100,000, $200,000 
mm-hmm. in order to close. And it, they could they only give you a window of 48 hours. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Right? It, it could be a high rise condo, but it could be low rise as well. Right. right. So, have you? So, <laughs> yeah, actually, that's a good question for Woody. I mean, if you have a client like that, what would the best solution be if that was the case? Uh, sorry, um, which part? Oh, like if they are running on a shortfall and they only have a 40 hour window. I'd say never to get into that situation to begin with, uh, to be honest. Um, if you have to close in 48 hours, um, your, the private mortgage uh, may be the, the quickest uh, turnaround. Private mortgage can be handled in 24 to 48 hours. Uh, but really, uh, what's the, the rate on the private mortgage in, in sort of an emergency situation? Uh, ten to twelve percent. Wow, mm. ten, ten? Can you imagine? 10 to 12%? It's not that bad. It's not can, that bad because yeah. like the the regular bank rates are like six to seven wow. percent already. Yeah. Well, three more percent is a big difference for the average person, right? Uh, but um, you have to understand though that private private mortgages are short ter- short term solutions. Yeah. They're usually yes, for six yes. to twelve months, so it's either lose your deposits and possibly get sued by the builder because they may have to sell at a loss right. or take the short-term hit at 10, 12% for a year and you know what, figure out a solution in 12 months. But does the builder accept this sort of financing? Because don't they need a Schedule A bank? No, uh, usually um, some builders will ask for a, uh, a pre-qualification, a pre-approval or letter or like that. Yeah. When, yeah. when you first sign the documents. Yes. But as much as you want to close, the builder wants to close. Right. So if you're giving them the money, cash is king. So they'd rather close it versus taking your deposit? You got it. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. because imagine what would happen if 50% of your buyers, oh, yeah. you're going to have to take back well, that they inventory. To, they have to sell it again. Yeah, they have so to resell it. Yeah, they're, they're, they're carrying it, right? Yeah. So, yeah well, at they're least, in big trouble. At least yeah. they're getting it from two lenders. As opposed to going through court to get the same amount. Right. Yes. Right. right. That's the easiest. Yeah. It's the, the path to least resistance. Yeah. And so. and the the builder would have to carry the property until then. Right. Which is something they don't want either. They don't get paid. Yeah. While they're shelling out. So. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. What What about this? Have you guys come across pre-construction deals in your own your own um, portfolio with your clients where the builder now jacks up the price by a hundred thousand? Because they say they can't build it anymore, right? The cost of the mm-hmm. material labor. Yeah. And so, what, what have examples around the table here? What you got? What you've done? What your clients have done to mitigate that loss or that risk, right, of losing it? Did they just fork over the hundred thousand dollars, or where do they get that? I think it's just you, man. I think it was just that one project. We're not talking about any uh, We're not naming names. Project shall remain nameless. But yeah, um, as I've heard too, um, during COVID, the price of lumber went up. Some builders brought back to the buyers and said the price of lumber's gone up, and right. we had to charge you more. And uh, some of these uh, buyers had to fork out 40, 50 grand more to close. 100 even. No, oh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. 100 even, right? So yeah. you do the financing on your end. How do you do that? You just got to do it. Somehow, um, like as a buyer, I think, I think like at the, that point, you're so deep. That, that 40, 50 grand can't go on your mortgage. So the buyer's stuck. And uh, you can't get a private on that 40, 50 grand unless the price of the property has gone up. Right. Oh, okay. So early, right. early pandemic, yes, but nowadays? I think it goes back to kind of buyer's beware uh, yes. situation 
uh, buying pre-construction might not be the all, you know the only solution or the safest solution. It, it is there is some risk and speculation aspect to it. Uh, I've coached some some buyers to also you know bring this to light and also consider resale as as something more reliable right. in this climate right. especially so, with all the risk factors. So what would you uh, tell people today then if they were to want to buy pre-construction? I'd say have five to ten percent on the side uh, for closing costs. Emergency yeah. fund, uh, yeah. yeah, and think twice, run the numbers. Like, yeah, yeah, thoroughly. Like I mean, like obviously closing at a higher rate kind of sucks, but if you look at it in a long game, like I mean, if you have that money kind of like set aside, um, obviously real estate's long game, right? You you never want to be like, oh, I want to like you know buy it now, flip it in five years. Like that's not the plan. If obviously if you can um, buy it, hold it five, six, seven years, you're gonna see some growth just because of like, if you bought a good location, you got a, you know, you bought a good building, um, it's it's gonna go up. It's, it's still a good investment regardless of how nasty the closing could be. If, main thing is if you can close, you know, do it. You, you know, real estate's always a good thing. It's 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 good that you mentioned long term yeah. because I think long term we're okay, especially the Bank of Canada, they announced like, okay, well, inflation's in control. We got it, we got it, okay? so. But I still think, I'm going to go against the grain here, I still think there's going to be sh some short-term uh, pain going forward. I think so. Because even, even uh, some sellers who, who got mortgages like two or three years ago, you know, mm -hmm. those are coming due. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, yeah. they right. locked right. in at what? Right. Right. One, one percent, two percent, and now they're yeah. with this big surprise. What is it, five percent now? Yeah. 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 Four point nine nine or so. Four point nine nine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Around there. So those, half around those there. sellers, if they can't afford to do payments, then they got to sell. Right. So I, I still think there's going to be some negativity going forward, but long term, that's that's where I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let, let's uh, let's move on to that other topic we were supposed to to, to explore. That was the. The fraud that happens in our industry, right? As realtors, and we see it. Yeah, we're seeing it more and more right now. Yeah, the title now. fraud. Have you guys fraud. have you guys heard the story of the one last week where the uh, the student? That's another that's another story. The student owned uh, a condo at uh, Aurora downtown, which is college and, and young, right? Aurora. Yeah. Aurora. 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 Yeah, yeah. Not Aurora. Aurora. Downtown Aurora. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to downtown Aurora. So, <laughs> so she bought the condo in 2017. Yeah, and yeah. she went back to China for whatever reason and, yeah. you know, uh, assumed it's vacant. Yeah. And someone sold her condo without her knowing last year in May, right? Hmm. So someone got access to her condo, went inside, staged it, took photos, uh, hired two real estate agents, sold it. I think it was uh, for 970000 Yeah, wow. this was at pretty much near the peak of the market, well, right? But, I mean, Aura is a great building still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the fact that, you know, all this happened and yeah. even the lawyers were tricked right and right. there was a bank in montreal too the like they they, they well. done it with uh with fraud documents with fraud id oh boy right wow so that's, i don't know man. I mean, how, how does that happen how, how do we how do we as a front line yeah. kind of like mitigate this or, or try to try to like prevent this from happening i don't know are, are there it's any ways the buyer, though, but like you, you don't really know right you can only do so much well, i mean we can really get a cold valid. call sure. like it, it could be a could be a referral or whatever maybe Right. And then, right. So, so, so they were, asked, she was successful in actually, or the person was successful in selling yeah. it and they closed on it. 
I believe so. Yeah. Like a year later, well, too. She yeah. Came back. <laughs> she didn't find out too much later until uh, her, wow. her bank account wasn't deducting the maintenance fees oh, anymore. Wow. And that's when oh, she noticed. Okay. So it did close. Wow. I yeah. mean, in a situation like that, doesn't title insurance cover you? See, that's the thing, though. From the actual transaction? It should. It should. Being, right? Yeah. That's what title insurance is for. But, but keep this in mind. Like a couple days ago, uh, they, they, they said there was another article about 30 more cases of this mm-hmm. happening again. Wow, you know, it's definitely it's on the rise. Definitely trending. It's trending. It, it, so. can't, it can't be like just you know like title insurance. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure like most lawyers now. So just to give a little bit of context, like whenever I you know whenever there's a closing, lawyers always suggest you know whether or not you want title insurance. It's always recommended by lawyers. It's always. You know by realtors, by lawyers, by everyone. Right. Um, but what like in in these particular cases, what what are we looking at here? Like do do they claim it back or how do they get their money back? Or how do they, you know, what happens then? Because yeah, there's so two victims the, here. There are two victims. The, does, the, does the original homeowner get their home back and the new buyer get their money back? They should. That's what title insurance is for. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is 30 cases reported and that's right. only what we know of. Yeah. Right. So is this even sustainable? Like how can the insurance companies even pay out this much if it's right. more rampant, right? Yeah. But they should. That's what it's for. That's incredible. Well, it's not just one insurer, so. Yeah, there's. There, I think there's four big ones in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Stewart Title is one of them. Yeah. So as Ron was saying, uh, I think we have to have some sort of uh, extra security measures. Uh, maybe perhaps lawyers uh, maybe have a, you know, two-factor authentication of some sort. So regulators have to come up a way to physically contact the 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 <clears throat> homeowners rather than just the uh, land titles uh, office because as realtors that's all we can verify right with the geo warehouse just as the name is is good but we don't physically contact them like like how banks are now mm-hmm. you know, right? when they're making a huge transaction and think about it this is like the biggest transaction that you can ever like financial transaction that you can ever have in most people's lives e- e- yeah. even even like a a call would be uh, a step towards um, improving this, mm-hmm. this situation, right? So I don't know how so you guys it, think. Let's just say the lawyer makes a call to the seller, but the seller is the fake seller. The fake number. Like with the, with the, fake, the fake ID with the fake number. Well, when you register with the uh, land, t- uh, the, the title insurance, I think, I feel you should have a, uh, a real, real phone number, a real email, and, and that's one way to, to, to avoid this scenario. And, and the safe word. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Selling your house, what's the password? It could be your mother's maiden, maiden name. <laughs> because the article the mentioned, word. it's not just you know, petty thieves doing this. This is yeah. organized crime. This is organized. Organized. 100%. Like the people that are pretending to, to be the owners, they're mm-hmm. not, they're just paid by the higher up people, right? Yeah. yeah. To pretend. Yeah. But there, there's mm-hmm. people, like uh, the article mentioned that, um, you know, these funds are being funneled out of the country yeah. into like Bitcoin or something like that. So it's untraceable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? So this is pretty huge. And this is only 30 cases that we know of so far. Yeah. Yeah. Might have been a lot already, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. why don't we walk through it? What are the steps in this purchase transaction and closing transaction where, uh, and how this fraud, because first, of course, first contact is the realtor. And, and as a realtor, we can check who owns the house 
through GeoWarehouse. We can verify the individual by checking their driver's license and, and maybe a second piece of ID would be warranted nowadays. Like the usual FinTrack stuff that we have to do Correct. before we list. Yeah. Yes. Right. And then, uh, and then once the uh, sale goes through, then the, the lawyer, uh, once it's signed off on both sides, then the lawyer gets involved and the lawyer should verify who their client is. But they right. do, but they do. They do. Yeah. Even, they if do. They, even if lawyers yeah. verify, they can either uh, verify in person, face mm -hmm. to face, right? Or, or through Zoom. Yes. Where you can yeah. visualize to ma make sure you match the ID. But that's, I, don't, I still don't think that's sufficient. Uh, yeah, I, I don't it, think that would work too. Because let's say like, like a fake seller, mm -hmm. he'd give you the fake ID with his picture. Yes. Even on a Zoom, it's going to mm -hmm. be him on the Zoom. Yes. Of course it's going to be verified because it's him, right? So, so how, how to, like, so actually, um, there is, um, in Ontario, I can't speak for other provinces. Mm -hmm. There's a driver's license check where you, uh, you can Google this. And if you, uh, go onto the province of Ontario driver's license check, you can enter the driver's license number to verify who, uh, the name of the holder of the driver's license. So if, if it's a fraud driver's license, they may not have the right driver's license number and it won't come up with a result. True. So that's one way of doing Te it. Technically, there would be, it would be pretty complicated or be a really complex transaction mm -hmm. for the organized crime or the organized organization that's actually doing all this because they would need to have inside contact within the government mm -hmm. to change the title name on, on that property. They can also do the same thing with the driver's license. Well, uh, with, um, with the... All you need is a lawyer, well, all you need is someone with access to the land titles mm -hmm. to actually change the title. Which, which is all so lawyers. All lawyers, exactly. Mm -hmm. so, so the titles part isn't hard, but it is, it is quite complex because next thing you, cause they also have to fool the banks too, because the banks receive the funds that are paid out. Yeah. So it's quite yeah. complex, and that means you have to have a bank account with a bank. So with the it, fake IDs, with a fake ID, yeah. yeah. So we're, we're talking about like a, like three levels of check from the realtor to the lawyers to the banks. Right. That that's uh, has to be a failure at all points. So it's a yeah. complex well, fraud. Well, right. It's, it's it extremely organized. Right? Yeah. Is, yeah. It has to be. It I don't even be. know how going yeah. forward to even check this. Yeah. No, I mean like, that's a good suggestion that Woody brought up about lawyers uh, having actively verified. The, uh, the driver's license from a from a, a different organization like you said online you can change it yeah we'll, we'll, we'll add a link to the driver's license in the video yeah we can we can yeah, add definitely. it on the bottom yeah um it, I, I still feel like there should be more yeah uh, you know oversight. some sort of yeah. oversight and, and also verification we can't just rely, right now we're just relying on title insurance maybe investigators and police trying to track these people down and the funds but it, it's 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 not sufficient. Yeah, doesn't seem like we have a, like a concrete solution or method to do it thus far. Like even um, Toronto Real Estate Board, I'm, I'm sure they're baffled. Like they don't know they, what if, needs to be done. They're if, still discussing. If there's a if there's a full like foolproof way of of uh, privacy, I would suggest you know doing biometric. That would be <laughs> that would be <laughs> you know, really awesome when you're registering your property. 
you do a full biometric registration. It, it might come to that. It might come to that. Yeah. Or, or yeah. physically, or I have a, I have a chip on my. But that, yeah, that, yeah, that comes with like, oh, my freedom. What's my rights? Oh, you know? like, that's what I mean. Like the privacy yeah. issue, all the, yeah. all that comes out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure the powers that be between uh, Treb, um, the banks, like, imagine the banks are the ones that are losing out the most after the uh, homeowners. Yeah. Because they're the ones fronting the mortgages, mm-hmm. right. so right. the powers that be must be must be looking at it uh, oh. e- even before us. Yeah, yeah. Like we're 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 kind of like now that it hit the news, they they're like, shoot, we're out hundreds of millions of dollars probably at this point. We gotta we gotta fix this problem. <laughs> yeah. Right. The banks are losing out a lot. Like we homeowners might lose out one property. These guys are shelling out a lot of money to a lot of properties, and let's say like one percent of them are all fraud. Do you, do you guys think the banks get bailed out by the government? Well, they have insurance policies. Right? Yeah, they do. They, they do. So, yeah. so like, I mean, who's, who's, who's paying this money, though? Like, I mean, insurance is going to dry up if this keeps going up. And, and, and that it's gives, not infinite. It's not infinite. Yeah. And that gives, yeah, yeah. that gives the uh, insurance companies and the banks more incentive yeah. to, to find a way to combat this fraud. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they have to. They have yeah. to. Do you think uh, insurance premiums? Yeah, they'll go, go up. up for they'll go up. Yeah. Yeah, everyone gets. They got, they got to refill yeah. the pool somehow. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 so Richard, um, as you were mentioning uh, previously, you have a you have a one plus one. You're listing for what? 25, 25, 50 25 downtown. Twenty five fifty downtown, and it's a one bedroom uh, with one locker for twenty five twenty five fifty that we're going to be listing it for. And no parking, right? And no parking. <laughs> wait, wait, where is but this? Where is that this? Is, this is uh, this is downtown by Bathurst and Fort York. Bathurst and Fort York. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. So the building it's will just, remain you know what? <laughs> like, it's, it sounds it sounds very insane because the prices have have seemed to, to astronomically like shoot up, and yeah. it doesn't seem like there's an end to this this price like rise. And honestly, like there's a lot of people that really cannot afford uh, rental pro- property today. Yeah. Even if they make a hundred thousand dollars, it's it's almost bare minimum that you need to get into the market. Yeah, like yeah, I was saying last week, like I had a client, hundred thousand dollars lost out, yeah. couldn't even get a one plus den. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've yeah, seen that's... that too. I've had I had a landlord, and uh, um, you know, there was an applicant who had two hundred fifty thousand dollars in terms of income, right? And he said no. <laughs> uh, what was the income? Two fifty plus. But boy, right. well, is he only he giving two months? He is, is he so, only giving two months mm, up front? Well, <laughs> that's another thing. You know, legally you can only give first. Yeah. Months, right. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just saying, like landlords can afford to be picky because yeah, well, it's, 100%. The, it's the best investment they've ever made, right? And they're going to protect it. Um, but the average price of a what was it, one bedroom in Toronto now is twenty five hundred dollars. One, one, one bedroom, bedroom one bedroom, one bedroom, one bedroom, just no parking, no locker. It's basically about twenty three hundred dollars. Yeah. Okay. At the base. Right. right. At the base. And that's like five hundred square feet. Six. Correct. Feet. No, yeah. not even six. Not some feet, some like uh, some are even less than five hundred square right, feet. Right. Right. Right, but that's the going rate right now downtown. Yeah, you know? and I, I think what it is is uh, I don't think there's much a difference as like immediate like proper downtown and just just a bit away from downtown. I think the price are the same. What you get your for your money differs a little bit. I think that's all it is. Right. Yeah, right. the price is the same. Like I'm like I have clients that are looking at like twenty three hundred, and there's not a lot downtown, but like there are like maybe like. You know, you know, you get the like under five hundred square foot units, and then you, you're still paying the same price a little bit more north 
for like 500 something square foot but the price is the same though yeah, yeah it's correct. just getting bigger yeah. space you just get more, a little slight, more space very very slight but yeah. it's like but throughout. even if you're even if you're comparing like some of the newer condos yeah. say young and eggington young and shepherd young and finch to even downtown really not they're not that much different they're not that much bigger. right it's just different city centers that you're yeah, moving right. into yeah, right. do, you, do you have you guys heard uh it's a new term for me but a lot of the younger people millennials um they, they tend to uh have a couple jobs and they call it moonlighting mm-hmm. to be able to afford living in the city like they got two or three jobs at the same time uh and this all started during i guess covid because you were able to work from home um, what's your experience? Have you had that uh, clients tell you this? And- oh yeah, oh, yeah. A lot of them. A lot of them are obviously doing some trades online, or they're they're doing some kind of side hustle on the, on the internet while they're doing their full time jobs, right? Actually, you know, come to think of it, well, they might be taken away from their own full time job to run their side hustle. <laughs> don't, don't name any sites. <laughs> <laughs> and um, from from a mortgage perspective, uh, hey, as long as your side hustle has two years of uh, <laughs> a record keeping there, <laughs> well, we'll qualify you for that mortgage, no problem. That's good, that's good to know. That's yeah, good to no, know. but it is yeah. good to know, right, right. Because a lot of people do part-time stuff. Right? But it's hard, so let's, let's say for example, there's a lot of people who do some cash jobs, right? Yes. Like, so how do, how, do, how do they prove the rank of that? You know what I mean? Like, um, that's true. As long as you're putting it in your bank, we, uh, we can actually look at your bank statements. To, uh, oh, even if it's cash? Yes, even if it's cash. Okay. But do you guys find that a lot of people are doing a lot more just cash jobs, but like more like Uber, Uber Eats, delivery, right? Do you find that well, those, those are those more... are still taxable though? You still get a T four. Yeah, correct, get... but it's just more of like a side hustle on their True. on their spare mm-hmm. time, right? Do you find more people are doing that nowadays? A lot of people doing all sorts of jobs. Yeah, to be honest. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, no, no one can really survive on a 50, 60K job anymore. Like, you, you have to make some other extra income on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you, you can't qualify even for rent, right? Yes. That's the, that's the hard part. I mean, but back in the 50s and 60s, every family could survive on one income. <laughs> and then for the longest yeah. time, two income was okay, dual income. Now it's like, well, a household should probably have like four incomes, five incomes. <laughs> and that's, that's, um, that's where this came up. And, and that, yeah. that's where it's going. Um, uh, more more uh, recently, we're seeing like uh, two couples team up to even like uh, rent or purchase places. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like three, three <clears throat> names, four names on a mortgage application is starting to be yeah, normal. It's so, normalizing. Yeah. yeah. So, kind of separate entrance like they're kind of building their own little uh, partnership yeah yes yeah their own yeah. duplex yeah their own duplex but they should i mean we're heading to the right direction in terms of the government uh starting to legalize and intens- in- intensifying some of the the homes that we we, we live in and right having duplex in yeah China. definitely with the with the new law that's going to be passing soon with one property having three units that's going to be very helpful for the rental situation, definitely. And, and great for homeowners too, because now they can afford to pay the rent with the rent uh, with oh, the yeah. rent increases, yeah. uh, with their interest rate increases. Sure. Yeah, actually, before that comes legal, like uh, my office, uh, we have some in-house lawyers that successfully uh, got a few couples into these agreements, like partnership agreements, where mm-hmm. uh, everyone agrees on the same terms. They have extra strategies. Um, and and it's it's actually great. Like people are some of the newer buyers are getting ahead of this mm-hmm. this trend. So, so they're able to build equity uh, with 
three, uh, two or three other individuals. That's amazing. Do you think there's a maximum number of buyers that 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 lawyers will say, hey, no, mm-hmm. you can't have too many names. Like 20 buyers in one property. <laughs> I think there are um, always ways to do it. For example, uh, you could have a corporation purchase a property, right? Yeah. And uh, there could be numerous shareholders, shareholders to right. a corporation, right. and that's another way right. multiple individuals can own one house. Right. Well, I mean, the mm-hmm. reason why I ask that, because there's, there's a lot of uh, newcomers uh, they're starting out as rental, but they all ultimately they'll they'll come up with these questions about how we can buy you know group buy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I feel like this this is the way we're headed to because you know like I said, if a couple incomes cannot qualify, then we have to add more <laughs> more income to to the to the pot. Right. But you, you, let's let's go back to the rental uh, the rental thing we're talking about right now. So so what have you guys seen with your clients uh, that you've helped on the rental side? And, and how long would it take for them to go from renting to home ownership, right? So what, what's kind of the trend you're seeing in your own specific practices? For newcomers? Well, a- anyone coming to rent, right? They, they approach you and we represent buyers and we represent tenants as well. Um, but what is that like for you guys? From the time you sign a lease for them, you find them a nice place, and then the time they call you up and say, hey, I'm ready to buy. Oh, that varies a lot, man. Because I've, I've had some clients that are still renting and they they've been renting this entire time. They don't move every year, but like they'll they'll um, they'll stay there for a couple of years if their rent's good, mm-hmm. and it only they're they're rent controlled. They're not they're not incentivized to like to buy mm-hmm. to buy or to move out right away. They'll just keep saving or whatever it is, time the market, whatever it is well, that they use. I guess that's the point I'm trying to say is that with the rising increase in rental rates, yeah, it's almost like you should just try to get a mortgage if you can. I, I feel this topic could be a polarizing topic right. because in t- depending on your strategy, um, if you were intending to buy, I feel if you were renting, to, to be healthy, two to five years should be a good sweet spot. Two to five years. To, okay. to, to, to rent for two years, three years, and, and then jump in if you have enough savings. Exactly. As a newcomer, mm-hmm. that would be a good strategy if you're you know, set on buying. But if you're kind of renting and you find a right rental, maybe if you're renting a, a co-op and, and the rent rate is, is grandfathered, maybe you keep renting there and then mm-hmm. purchase another, another place if you're in a position to. Keep renting. Yeah, that, that there's nothing something. wrong with renting. Some That's people absolutely. just prefer renting over owning. They, they enjoy that flexibility That's right. of not having that commitment, right? Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, there's another strategy here too. Let's say if you've been a renter and you've, you've locked in a really good rate, Who's to say that you can't buy property on the side and become a landlord and that'll pay for your rent? Like that's a good yeah. strategy if, if you get into that sort of deal, right? Yes. And um, actually, uh, as of a recent, rent to own is becoming more popular. It, it's it's a great way for individuals with possibly um, damaged credits uh, to to get into uh, home ownership, and that's essentially uh, for our viewers that don't understand uh, what that is. Basically, you're, you're paying, here's market rent, you're paying higher than market rent, and the additional that you're paying there is going towards your down payments to purchase the home that you're currently living in. And that benefits homeowners too because you are now renting out to an individual that will take care of the property more because their intention is to own it. And if they default on it, the initial deposit that they gave to you to get into this contract to begin with, you get to keep that. So it could, 
in the current climate, rent to own could be a viable solution for both homeowners as well as new buyers. But um, so in a case like this, because it's it's still kind of a new thing for the GTA, um, they get into a contract. Let's say, um, you know, let's say they want to buy a house for let's just say a million bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so they agree on it, and then obviously the renter has to pay a little bit more every month. Mm-hmm. Um, they they in the contract it's like a million dollar is the the purchase price, quote unquote, right? It's um, sometimes they'll put in a two percent increase per year. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, tenant will have the option to buy it out at any time at that set rate. So in, in, um, after one year, it will be a million twenty thousand. And after the second year, it will be a million so fifty thousand, let's say. It, um, it, 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 it will be settled in the contract. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think the, which, what, what, what Woody may be referring to is the homeowner selling it as a rent to own. Yes. There are other options where the renter can actually find an investor to buy that property because not every homeowner is going to want to go through that whole process of rent to own. Mm -hmm. So if that is an option, you know, if people are looking into that option, rent to own, you know, talk to talk to your mortgage people or talk Mm -hmm. to talk to investors that are willing to work with you on setting up a rent to own because they would buy it for you and then they would rent it back to you. Right. At uh, the the agreement, agreeable um, contract. Yes. It's, like a, it's like a new type of mortgage almost. <clears throat> yeah. like. uh, vendor take back, that's another option where if, if the homeowner has they, their house is paid off and they don't need the lump sum, but let's say the homeowner is 70 years old. Yeah. They've got still a good number of years and maybe they just want to enjoy themselves. They don't want a home. They could travel the world and they could get uh, $5,000 a month mortgage. Um, that's what the that's what the new homeowner, the, the buyer, could be paying them, and they're getting five thousand dollars a month, and they can travel the world. Vendor take back mortgage is another option. What are typical rates for that? Like, would they do that? It's uh, it would be at the current uh, climate. You're looking about it's negotiable, but you're looking at about six seven percent is very reasonable. It's not that much higher than the banks. Yeah. Uh, but still lower, lower than a private mortgage, right, right. Uh, gives, gives the uh, seller uh, cash flow yeah. and lets the, home, uh, lets the buyer into a property, exactly. like yeah. a win-win. It's an attractive thing. I've seen it more and more with my clients too. They're always mm-hmm. asking, do you do vendor take-back? VTBs, VTBs, right? So yes. Some it's, do, some don't. It's funny that you mentioned vendor take-back because it, it also, uh, I've seen some of the clients, um, instead of selling it to a, 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 a tenant, um, they would rent out their principal residence and downsize mm-hmm. yeah. to a condo. Mm-hmm. Yes. That, that, that eases off their, uh, uh, their, their uh, commitments to the bank and also the rising interest rates. That's also a right. good strategy. Uh, actually, yeah. 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 maybe Woody can share some, some extra information here because I've heard other people talk about getting like a RSP loan, right? putting it into the RSPs for 90 days and then leveraging that as their down payment. Yes. Is that possible? Yes, yes. Uh, so it, it's, it's actually the HBP. So it's the home buyer's plan. So what you can do is uh, this, uh, this uh, strategy is valid to only new home buyers. They mean somebody that hasn't purchased a home within the last five years. Uh, so what you can do is you can put, uh, you can put money into your RSPs 
And the soonest you can withdraw the money on the home buyer's plan is 90 days. So that, that allows you to actually purchase uh, more home than just giving your, just taking your after-tax money. Because you, you put the money into an RSP, that means you get on your tax return, uh, depending on the tax rate you're at, at the end of the year, you get a tax uh, rebate. Mm-hmm. So you get that money back. And then so now, but 100% of the money you put into the RSP, you get to withdraw in 90 days and use under the home buyer's plan as a down payment towards your new home. There's other um, criteria um, you have to qualify for as well, but that, that's a general idea and much better than like, let's say someone was making $100,000, tax rate probably be like, let's say 35, 36%. That means that you make 100, you get to keep 65,000, let's say, and then you only have 65,000 to spend. But if you put 65,000 into your RSPs, which is actually above the allowable limit, I think it should be around like uh, $30,000 right now. Um, you put in, if you put in 30, you get a tax rebate of at 30%, that's about $9,000. So that means that you get to use that 30,000 you put in after 90 days, and at the end of the year, you get $9,000. It's great. So would that, would that also apply if you have two people that are first time home buyers that are leveraging the same system or same program? Would that work? Yes, if you have two buyers that are uh, both uh, new home buyers, they both get to use the program. That's good to know. Yeah. So a lot of people who are renting right now that are looking to own, those are great options. Oh yeah, if you're searching, put your money in your RSPs immediately by the time you find something. We have to clarify to for the first time home buyer, it has to be first time buying globally. Yes, correct. That's a, that's a good big point. stipulation. Good point. Yeah, it's a good, good point. point. Absolutely. And that goes for GST and all the you know first time first time home buyer uh, benefits. Because if you own a home in Asia somewhere, yeah. you sold it, uh, it's no longer valid. You don't you don't have any of the benefits. Yeah. Okay. Lots of good good information. So let's wrap it up. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank, thank you. Guys. Thank you for listening. Okay, thank you. Oh, wait. Well, actually, we, we still have to thank the the vendor too. Oh, you know, uh, shout out to your uh, good that friend over here for helping us. So, shout out to the homeowner and uh, builder uh, Lee Engineering for allowing us to use the space. Uh, we'll be showing you more of this gorgeous house uh, soon enough. Stay <laughs> oh. tuned.